Begin the current Dav Masech Tzbabakama Dav Tzadi Aleph. Begin 12 lines down at the top of the Yomit. The Gemara continues with a discussion that would relate back to a halacha that was mentioned in the previous Dav. That of Shimon HaTimni in his dispute with Rabbi Kiva regarding if somebody injures another person now that they have to then bring in the weapon, whether it be the person's fist or the rock that injured the other person, into the courts, that's Mesur La'edu La'edim, that the courts and the witnesses can verify and assess if this could and should have injured that victim, and if not, then there must have been some susceptibility of the victim and not to create a liability for the mazik. Now, regarding that, the Gemara will ask a question which will then be clearly resolved from that opinion, but the Gemara here is starting off without knowing that proof. Yibayilu, the following question. Is there a requirement for an evaluation process regarding damages? Or is there no evaluation process for damages? As the Gemara explains the question. Do we say, when it comes to death, then we have to evaluate, as the Pasuk says, it says clearly that with the rock in the hand which killed that person, that's how he hit him, meaning, what we have to evaluate is, with this rock, could it have taken away another person's life? Or with this, it would not have taken away the other person's life? So in that passage, we clearly see regarding when someone killed someone else, we have to evaluate if it was appropriate to what the person did that that killed the person. Or was it something wrong with the victim? But the question is regarding damages, maybe there you did not evaluate. Because maybe even if the object that he used to injure that person really is not appropriate to have injured the person, still it doesn't make a difference because sometimes injuries could be with koldu, with just even a little bit could injure another person. And therefore with injuries you would be liable for anything. Like demolition, or maybe there is no difference. Maybe just like by death we have to see, is it congruent with what he did to have killed that person? So it's regarding injuries. Although, yes, this person could be susceptible to injury in whatever situation it is, but it has to be appropriate to what that person had done with what weapon it was, or not. Does, do we not need to have an aim and an evaluation process by damages? So the says, Tashima, let's bring a right from the Mishnah on Daf Nun Mebez. The Mishnah said, Ma'bor, was comparing the halacha of different types of uh, ditches, to the halacha of a bar of a pit, which, which was mentioned in the Torah, which generally a pit is ten tefachim deep, so we make the following comparison. Just like by a that how much is it that the Torah creates a liability for someone that has a pit that kills somebody is if it has 10 Tfachim. So we learn out that also anything else, if you want to create Sheikh or other types of ditches, a liability for the death, it has to be a depth of 10 Tfachim. Now, says the Mishnah, let's say it was less than 10 Tfachim deep. And then an ox or a donkey falls and, and dies, then Potter, then you're going to be exempt because it doesn't have the requisite share of ten tefachim. Let's say if it's less than ten tefachim, but it doesn't kill the ox or the donkey, but it injures them, then Chayv, that you're going to be liable for. Injuries are even less than ten tefachim. Now, says the Gemara, my love, isn't it this that the Mishnah said that if it was less than ten tefachim, in Huzikbai, if it caused an injury to the ox or the donkey, then there's going to be a liability for the owner of the pit, that Mimata Lamalakachashim. It was counting from bottom up. In other words, and this is what the Mishnah was saying. From a tefach, meaning from the bottom, from zero basically, just a little bit more, meaning from one tefach till ten, 
then misaleka. That's where there's no liability for death, because that's not appropriate. But nizakin ikka, but by injuries there is, sa'almal and nizakin koldu. Obviously, you see that regarding injuries, no matter how small your pit is, that there's going to be a liability. Obviously, that means to say we don't evaluate for damages to say, wait a second, what was the injury? How deep was the pit? No, we don't care. For death, it has to be ten falchim. Less than that, meaning from bottom up, from from a little bit more than zero to ten, that automatically you're going to be liable for damages. So you see, you don't have to evaluate. And I think Mara says, Loi, no. It's actually counting from top down. Meaning, this is what the Mishnah was saying. Asara misa If it's ten tzvachim deep, then there's a liability. It's appropriate. It's congruent for death. Pachas asara purta, but if it's less than ten, just by a little bit, then the zakin isa misaleka. Then already you're only in the category of damages, but now more for death. In truth, I can tell you that you do have to evaluate for damages. And every single thing, according to how much we assess it's appropriate to damage, that's what the liability is going to be for. It's not a carte blanche saying less than 10 vachim, there's damages, which would sound like, oh, there's no oimid. No, it's saying once you dip down past the 10 mark, then it's already a different category. It's already no more for Misa, it is from the Zakim. But even there, could be you would have to have an evaluation exactly if it was appropriate for that type of damages to create the liability. So the Moses Toshim Ma'al is trying to bring a ride from a different source, from the following Bryce. The Bryce says, If somebody injures, bangs someone else on his eye and he blinds him, or or on his ear and he, he makes him deaf. So then, in those type of situations, if one injures a slave like that, which is from his Rosh arm, that would let him go free, that would make him go free. Now, but let's say he does it keneged enai. In other words, he doesn't bang him on his eye, he doesn't knock him in the eye. He's right next to the slave and he bangs a wall right next to where he was standing, which is opposite his eye. Now, now he can't see anymore. Keneged oznai now he bangs right next to him, opposite his ear, not on his ear. Now he doesn't hear anymore. For those things, the slave doesn't go free. Now, my time, what's the reason, says the Gemara? Isn't it because you need to evaluate? And that is, you could say, that wait a second, knocking him in the eye, well, that's appropriate response, a consequence of an injury to make him blind. But banging on the wall, that's not, we evaluate, that's not something that should cause him to go blind. Rather, it's his bad muzzle, it's something that's defective, it's something that's a deficiency in the victim, in this case, the Evid Kanani. So Shemami, no, we could infer from this price is yesh umdun There is an evaluation process for damages because whatever the action did, even though it caused that consequence, we see it depends. Well, should that action have caused that type of response? Well, on his eye, yes. Opposite his eye, not. So you see that you have to evaluate for damages. You don't just say, you did an action, he got a damage, you got to pay. And I think Mara says, no. That's a different reason. If you actually touch the, the victim and the cause of an injury, you don't assess oh, maybe he has a certain gene or something that's deficient in him that caused it. No, you caused it, you pay for it. Could be, we say that you don't have evaluations by Nizakin. But, there it's different because you never touched him. You banged right opposite his eye and you made him blind. Right opposite his ear, boom, a loud noise, you made him go deaf. But, in essence, since you never did anything directly to him, he frightened himself, thus causing the body to react which he caused, it was maybe indirect from the other person, a grama, but he himself caused it to thus shut down the faculty of his ear or of his eye. Because it's like Lina Brysa. Someone frightens his friend. Like in this situation, we have a large bang by his ear or bang by his eye, but not on his eye. 
Pater Medini Adam, the assailant, the Mazik, is exempt from court law. Not you're liable for, for the law from heaven because obviously you cause this type of injury, at least indirectly. Now, Kate said, what would be such a case like we're discussing? Let's say he blows in his ear and he caused him to go deaf. So it's Pater, he's exempt because he never touched him. The person got frightened. It was his reactivity that caused it. But it wasn't directly from the other person. It was the person's own doing. And that's why the Ebed Kanan would not go free. And that's why the person would be a putter in such a situation. Now, but let's say, Achazai. But let's say he grabbed a hold of him. That's already considered a direct action to the person. And then the Takaba And then he blew in his ear, but holding on to him, Bechirshan made him go deaf. Then Chayv, then he's liable. Because again, that's actually holding and doing an action to the person, that will create a liability. But again, there's no raya that there's no imin l'nezaka. Maybe there would be, but here the reason why you're exempt is not because we evaluate it, it's because you never did anything to him. He did it to himself. So the Messiah Toshima come in here to try and bring a different raya from the following b'raisa. The b'raisa says, these chamish these five things when the person injures his friend, so we evaluate him. In other words, the court has to evaluate how much is the is the, is the uh, amount of loss that the victim is going to encounter. In other words, how long is he going to have to be recuperating in bed, etc., and how much is the damages, and we have to, the court has to evaluate how much that is. And you give it to the victim right away. Now, but regarding the doctor bills, the, the recovery, the therapy, and the loss of work, that's, we have to evaluate until how much is going to be healed. In other words, for pain, we can evaluate right away. It's clear and cut. Regarding the damages, we know how much does his value go down if he was sold as a slave. But regarding doctor bills, therapy, we, don't, we, we, have, to, we have to have the, the projected image of how much that's going to be, and so too for loss of work, and even for the amount of food he's going to need until he can use to become robust and, and healthy ready. So you give that to him right away, but you've got to evaluate the projected loss that that's going to be. Now, the Bryce says, let's say I'm who, let's say they evaluated how much they thought this is going to be, and actually, he was getting worse and worse, more than they thought he was going to be. Says the Bryce, we only give him about how much we evaluated. So we assess that this amount of damage is going to cost the victim some total of all the Nezik Tariq Peshev is 50,000. Turns out it ended up being a cost of 75,000. We don't give him that extra, we only give him how much we evaluated. Now, Sydney goes in the other way too. Amdu, Vihivri, let's say they evaluated it's going to be a certain amount. And actually, in a small amount of time, he got healthy. And they had evaluated it's going to take much longer, the, the therapeutic process. So they give him everything that they evaluated because obviously from heaven they had mercy on him, but since our projected image was 50,000, it only cost him 25,000, he gets the extra 25,000. So either way, for better or for worse, he gets what was projected. But one thing says the Gemara, you see clearly, obviously when it comes to Allah's of damages, there is an evaluation process, as we see clearly from this price, that it's, uh, it's assessed and evaluated how much is the damage. So the Gemara answers, thus going back to the question, to assess the person, how much he's going to become ill from that wound, from that injury, how much he's not going to be ill, that wasn't the question. The Vadiyam Din, of course you have to evaluate it because you have to know how much there's the payment of the damage of the of the repuy, of the Shavas, of all these things. The question we had all along in the Gemara was to assess the object the, the, that was the weapon. 
Could this weapon, could this fist, could this rock cause this amount of damage or not? My, that's our question. What's Allah there? Do we have to assess or do we say that? No, whatever it is that you did, you touched him, you heard him, you got to pay, even though maybe it's not commensurate with what you did. We don't evaluate accordingly as we do by the death penalty. That was our question. I think when it says Toshima coming here, which is something we really knew from the top of this summit from the previous stuff, as we had quoted this Brisa. Shimon Timni Aimer, he says that the Pasik compares in this halacha about hurting somebody else and paying him the Chamisha Dvarim. So it says when you hit him with your fist or with a rock. So we make the following comparison. Just like a fist is distinct. It could be given over for inspection to the assembly, meaning the court and to the witnesses. And they could evaluate, should this fist have caused that type of injury on that guy? If it didn't, then he won't have to pay. If it did, then he would. So to anything, if you want to prosecute a guy for the, for the injury that he caused someone else, it has to be that it could be given over to the courts and to the witnesses to evaluate. But one thing says the Gemara, you could infer from that, that obviously there is an evaluation process on the weapon, on the chavza, on the object, whether it be the fist or whether it be the rock, to evaluate it, and that answers our Gemara's question that there is oymid and nizakin, just like there's an oymid by death. Now the Gemara goes back to this last brice that we introduced in our attempt to prove the halacha, which we said that was talking about the oymid gavra, regarding evaluating how much he was injured, and we were asking regarding oymid chavza, but we answered that question. Now the Gemara goes back to that brice. The time of the brice said, amdu v'hivri, if they evaluated how much they assessed is going to be the losses he's going to get but he becomes healthy before that, that projected time. So they give him whatever it is that was evaluated, even though he doesn't really need that anymore. We thought therapy is going to cost him 50000 cost him 20000 He gets the extra 30000 And that says, Gemara Masayila, the Rav, that supports Rav. Not my Rav, because Rav said, similar idea, somebody that you evaluate him, that this is going to, he's going to be out of commission the whole, ta- the whole day. And he became healthy halfway through the day. Moreover, he went back to work in the middle of the day. We still give him the amount of the loss that we had projected for the whole entire day because from heaven they had mercy on him. Our projected, we had doctors look him over, they assessed he's going to be ill the whole day. If he got healthy halfway through, that means from heaven they made his body recover and therefore it's still something that's his muzzle, but still he gets what's coming to him, which is the compensation for the whole day. The thing more continues on the halacha of our Mishnah that was told about liabilities of Baishas of embarrassing someone else. So the Mishnah said, one of the cases, if he spits at him and the spit reaches the guy and it hits him, or or if let's say he takes off the cloak from somebody or the woman's head covering, so then all these are categories of being liable for 400 zuz. Now, Amr Papa he qualifies this halacha of spitting on somebody. He says, we only learned this liability of 400 zuz if it, the spit reaches the body of that person. A uh, big delight, but if it hits his clothing, then you're not liable for that 400 zuz. Now that the Gemara asks, but why? It should be just like if you embarrass somebody with words. It's no less, that it's, not, it's not touching his body, it's just words. For sure, if the spit hits his clothing, it's no less than that. So why aren't you chayv? So they actually said in the West, meaning in Eretz Yisrael, in the name of Yisrael Oven, that Zaysamer is what you can infer from this Allah of Mishnah, that actually, somebody embarrasses somebody with words, he's actually exempt. The Allah of Baish is only said regarding physical embarrassment that is with the person's body, but with words or with his clothing, then there's no liability for this halacha of Baishas. Now, the Tanakam of the Mishnah said that after it went through all these different 
amount that there's liability, like the case that we just described of spitting on the person of 400 zuz, the Tanakhama concluded, everything's according to the honor, the dignity of the person that's being embarrassed. So it's relative to that person. So he the following question. Tanakhama, this first Tana, when he was saying the statement that it's relative, is that supposed to be a leniency? Was he actually saying a stringency? As Igmar explains. Was he saying a leniency that what? Because there is a pauper, that's the lower stratus of, the, of society. That he doesn't have to take so much. In other words, when you spit on such a person, you don't pay 400 zuz, then you pay less than that. Maybe he was telling us a stringency to Tanakama, meaning that actually baseline is 400. That actually, that there are wealthy people who are on the higher status that you actually have to give more than the 400 zuz. So he had given them the amount before, but then he says it's relative. So relative what? Lower or relative higher? So the Gemara says, Tashima, come in here, let's bring a proof from the Mishnah, because Medikama Rebbe Kiva. Kiva then disputed the Tanakama, and he said, no, Afila Anim Shabisol, even the paupers of the Jewish people, we view them as if they're wealthy people that were just lost their wealth, but their status is still that of nobility. Because they're the children of the Ovis, of the higher level. In other words, he treats the poor as the Ashirim, as the wealthy people. Now, so we see that actually Rabbi Kiva did not hold a person liable for uncovering a woman's hair, only the amount of 400 zuz, like the Tanakama, as the incident that the Gemara, as that the, the Mishnah brought to illustrate Rabbi Kiva's halacha. So Shmami Nos, obviously you could infer that Tanakama, Lokulakama, obviously Tanakama was telling us a leniency. Tanakama was saying that no, I know I said that the amount of, let's say, taking off a woman's hair, hair covering is 400 zuz, but for a poor woman, you don't have to give that much. It's relative. If you're lower status, then it's less than that. Now, it was, it was regarding that that Rabbi Kiva said that no, a poor person, you also give the 400 zuz, just like a wealthy person, because that's the story that the Mishnah brings, that he uncovered the woman's hair, and although that man proved that she's from the low class, she took it off just to put some oil on the hair, even so, Rabbi Kiva says, no, you have to pay like, as if she was a wealthy woman, which was how much? Which was 400 zuz. Now, because if you would entertain to say that the, the measurement that the Tanakhama said of 400 zuz was the lowest, was the baseline of the, of the, of the poor people, and when he says, there was a stringency to say that, but wealthy people, you have to give more, but then Rabbi Kiva, who said that even the poor takes like the wealthy people, why does he say then it takes 400 zuz if we just explained that the wealthy people, as the Tanakhama was saying, is more than 400 zuz? Obviously, that 400 is the highest, is a ceiling. And the Tanakhama was saying, okay, the poor takes less. Rabbi Kiva, who made the person liable 400, because he says, yes, even the poor are like the wealthy, and therefore Rabbi Kiva holds everyone to the highest standard. The highest standard is 400. Tanakhama says, no, 400 is the highest, and then there are those, like Aniyim, that are less than that. So Shema Mano, we can infer that the Tanakhama statement was a leniency and not as a stringency. Now the Mishnah said that regarding that incident, Umayseh Be'echad, there was an incident with an individual, Shabbar Reisha Isha, that uncovered a woman's hair, Bechulu, etc., which Rabbi Kiva held them liable for 400 zuz, and, but this guy had a scheme up his, up his sleeves, and he told Rabbi Kiva, give me time, and then he went and did this, this plot, which was to prove that this woman doesn't deserve that amount, because she'll degrade herself just for a little bit of oil. But the question the Gemara asks is, Umiya Vinizman? Do we give somebody time to pay up the damages that he caused somebody else, which Rabbi Kiva gave this individual? But said, We don't give time for a person when it comes to paying up damages that he caused to somebody else when he injured somebody else. So why here did Rabbi Kiva give him time? <clears throat> and that says the Gemara, When do we not give a person time? 
is l'chavala, b'chasim amayna, is when someone injures somebody else, inflicts a wound on him, which it's a loss of monetary from the victim. But for humiliation, which it's not a loss of money, yes, the Torah prescribed this penalty for embarrassing somebody, there's no monetary loss, so then we give the person time, and that's what Yibakiba gave him, and that's, that's what gave the person time to scheme up his plot. Now the Mishnah said that what he did was, was Shamra Imedis al he, he waited there and he stood by the opening of a courtyard till he saw over there, and then he broke the jug, and she saw some oil, she uncovered her hair to put some oil on, on, on his head, and he said, look at this, this woman, she'll degrade herself for a little bit of oil, I gotta pay 400 zuz, maybe 10 zuz. Right? So Bikiva says, he didn't say anything, because although she's not allowed to, and still we wouldn't punish her, but when someone else does, we do punish him for doing what, the, the, for inflicting a, 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 some type of embarrassment on, on, on someone else, in this case that woman. Now, the problem is, Igmar asked, but Vatan learned the Brisa that Rabbi Kiva said actually something else. Amli Rabbi Kiva, the way it was phrased in the Brisa, Rabbi Kiva said to this person, you're, 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 you're treading in, in mighty waters. In other words, you're wearing yourself out to exempt yourself for nothing. Because you ended up, from all this work that you're trying to do, you you actually pulling out like an earthenware shard. In other words, you didn't accomplish anything like an earthenware shard is not worth anything. Why? Says Rabbi Kibbutzim. Because what are you proving from the fact that the woman went and embarrassed herself for some little oil that you set her up for? A person's allowed to injure themselves. So, <laughs> what does that have to do with you who you're not allowed to injure her? She's allowed to. So what are you proving? So you still have to pay for the 400 zuz that you're not allowed to embarrass her. But one thing the Gemara is asking is, the way it was phrased in the Mishnah, Mekiba says, even though a person not allowed to injure themselves, but they're potter, and still when someone else injures them, it's chayiv. Here it's being said otherwise. Here it's saying that a person is allowed to injure themselves. Is a person allowed to injure themselves or not? That's a contradiction from a Mishnah in the Brisa. So Amar Rabbi says, like Kasha, it's not a difficulty. Khan b'chabola. Here in our Mishnah was talking about an injury. A person not allowed to injure themselves. And the Bryce was talking about a case of humiliation. A person's allowed to humiliate themselves. Now the Gemara asked, but how can you say that? Our mission is clearly talking about a case of humiliation. He didn't injure her, he just took off her hair covering. And still, as we continue on top of Amid Bey's, we learned in the Mishnah, Rebekah told him, when someone injures themselves, although they're not allowed to part their exam, but still, when someone else injures them, they're going to be chayv. So we see clearly that it's talking about a case of embarrassment. Rebekah says, you're not allowed to. <clears throat> so I think Mara says, no, this is what Rabbi Kiva was telling the person. I don't even have to tell you in the case that we're discussing at hand, which we you embarrassed this woman. We're regarding embarrassment, the Adam Rishai Asma, that a person is allowed to embarrass themselves, and yet, if someone else embarrasses them, that's not going to be an exemption, he'll still have to pay for that humiliation. But what he was adding on was, but even a real inflicting a wound. The ain on the Mishalachavatma, which that a person is not allowed to do. Now, it was regarding that logic that it was even proving another point to him then, and still you would think to say that since the person is injuring themselves, obviously they're not particular with their body, so therefore we would not hold anyone else to that standard either. And if someone else injures them, you would think they'd be potter. And that is what Rebekah said, that actually I'll tell you even more than what we're discussing here. That even in such a case, that if others injured him, which the person himself is not allowed to, and yet they're doing it, you would think maybe other people would not be chayv. Still, even there, I would tell you chayv. But again, that, that wasn't regarding the bush itself. Bush, everyone agrees that you're allowed to. Just like we see in the Brisa. In our Mishnah, when it says you're not allowed to do that, it's regarding a physical injury. 
Yes, the busha she was allowed to do to herself. And of course there you're going to be chayat. But even something that she's not allowed to do and she does, even there we would hold someone else liable for what she's not allowed to do and she's doing to herself. So either way you're going to be chayat. Now it's regarding this conclusion that the Gemara asks, so, okay, for that resolves the contradiction because regarding embarrassment, everyone agrees you're allowed to, but you tell me regarding injury, you're not allowed to. Is that true? A person not allowed to injure themselves? But Vitanya learned the Brisa says as follows The Brisa discusses the halachas of Shavuos, of an oath. If the person takes an oath, you have to fulfill it. If not, you're violating the halacha of a Shavuos Shav. So the Brisa says, You would think that if a person takes an oath, that they're going to do bad to themselves. And they don't do bad, you would think Yehei Potter that the person would be exempt. Because although when you swear to do something and you don't, you're, you're chayiv. But you would think when, okay, but doing bad, that's not something that you have to follow through on. Says the Bryce, that's supposed to teach them the Yikra, Lahara Oilahaitib. That if somebody is, takes an oath with his lips to do bad or to do good. Now, so the Bryce says, you make the following comparison. Which Mahatabrisha is just like in the Pasik there, the context of doing good is something that you're allowed to, as the Gemara in Shvuist of explains, this Pasik cannot be told about, let's say, Devar Mitzvah or Devar has to be saying when you're doing something good, it must be something that's a Rishus, it's something that you're permitted to do. Afara Rishus. So to when it says that regarding your liability, your responsibility of fulfilling your oath of doing bad or good is something bad that you're allowed to do, says the Brisa, that's clearly what the Pasik is telling me. Must be told in a case, what's a doing bad that you're allowed to do? Not somebody else. You can't, you're not allowed to. Terry says you're not allowed to hurt somebody else. Must be hurting yourself. And if you don't hurt yourself, you don't follow through, through on, the, on that oath, that's what the Pasuk is saying, that you're going to be liable for the carbon and, and whatever comes along with not fulfilling one's oath. So you see clearly that a person is allowed to do bad to themselves. A person could injure himself. So how are you saying that everyone agrees that a person is allowed to injure themselves? So Amash Mulli says, no, doing bad doesn't mean doing something physically injurious to the person. It means be'esha betainis. And the person says, I am going to fast, which is not for a mitzvah purpose, and something that shouldn't be done. That's doing bad to the body. That's what we're saying, that you have to go ahead and fulfill that oath. But to actually physically injure a body, that a person is not allowed to do? No, and that the Gemara asks. Wait a second. Now, that should obviously be qualifying, that the way you're defining doing bad to the self is, let's say, not actually physical injury, but just not eating, just fasting. So that would be equally regarding, let's say, what would be considered doing bad to someone else. Now, the reason what, what, we, what the Gemara is referring to is because the Gemara there brings in the Brisa, it says that you would think, says the Brisa, that if someone swears that he's going to do something harmful to somebody else, and that if he doesn't do it, you would think he'd be chayv on the Shavuot because he swore to do it and he doesn't do it. And that says the Brisa, no. Because the Pasuk says, Lahara or Lahetif, which it teaches us just like, as the Gemara that proves, as we said before, that doing good is something you're allowed to, doing bad is also something that you're allowed to, and since you're not allowed to do bad to someone else, even taking such an oath does not have any halachic validity, and therefore if you don't follow through, you're not going to be chayv. Now, but one thing the Gemara is asking is, but the equivalent that means to say is if we're comparing what does Lahara mean to the self or to other people, if we just define to self means fasting, not eating, that means to say that when we're entertaining the thought of what does it mean to hurt somebody else, it means it means to say to make them fast. Could I make someone else fast? What does that mean? I would think that I, what is the causing bad to someone else is making him not eat? What does that mean? So the says, yes. It would be talking about when you lock him up in the room, in the room and he has nothing to eat. 
So that's where you would think that if, let's say, I swore to say that I'm going to hurt somebody else and I don't end up doing it, I'd be chayim. On that, we say, no, it's only something you're allowed to and you're not allowed to like do something else. Your pater, what is that talking about? Locking him up and not letting him eat. Since I have no right to do that, myself, I could, for him, I can. There, you're going to be pater. Now, but just the Gemara asked though, because Batan Lunna Brahsa that disagrees with this premise. It says, a Zehurah Sacherim, it says, what does it mean to do bad to someone else? It doesn't say not letting him eat, making him fast. It says, if I swear Ekaplan, I'm gonna hit this guy. I'm gonna break his break his skull, his brain, I'm gonna smash his brain. That's what says the Brahsa is what it means that I would do bad to someone else, which that the Pasuk is clearly excluding from the responsibility and the, of, the, of, of the liability of following through on, uh, or not following through on the oath of doing bad to somebody else. So you see that that is the equivalent of what does it mean doing bad, which is a physical injury. So you see clearly that when it says that lahar lehetiv is to the self, that then you are chayv in the shvua, meaning it is permissible. You see that it means regarding a physical injury, because we're saying what, what is regarding others that you're not chayv in the shvua, is injuring them physically. Obviously, that's not allowed, but the rishus is that you are allowed to physically injure the self. So the Gemara says, El tanoihi. Rather, it must be a machlikis tanoim, and that would also resolve this machlikis if we say between the Rekiv and the Mishnah and the Brisa, if we say that one says you're allowed to, one says you're not allowed to, or although we resolved it regarding embarrassment, but still the terminology of our Mishnah in, in the inference was that it says clearly that you're not allowed to go ahead and injure the self, says the Gemara that that's a machlekes tanoi. Because the ikalaman the omar ain't not the Mishra There is a tan that holds that you're not allowed to injure yourself, as we just interpreted our Mishnah. But the ikalaman the omar that other Mishra There is an opinion that a person is allowed to injure himself, which is the Bryson we just quoted that said clearly that the lahara, that you're not allowed to do someone else, which is physical injury, is the lahara that you're allowed to do yourself, which is physical injury. So the Gemara asks, who, So who's the Tana that says that a person is not allowed to injure himself, which is how we had just explained the Rebbe Kiva of our Mishnah that was saying that you're not allowed to injure yourself. Embarrass yourself, yes, but physically injure yourself, not. Who is that Tana? So the Gemara says, If you're going to entertain to say that it's the Tana of the following Brisa. The Brisa says, the Pasuk says in Bereshit that Hashem says to mankind, but va'ach, however, as dimchem, but your blood, for your life, Edrish, I will seek. Now, the simple translation of the Pasuk is that if, let's say, an animal or a person kills another person, you know, unlike Cain and Havel, where there's going to be some type of a liability for that, Hashem is going to seek that blood. Now, Rebbe Yezo, he has a, 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 a drush interpretation. He reads it as the next word after that is, it says, He says, From your own life, Edrish is Dimchem, I will seek your blood. Meaning to say, if you kill yourself, I will hold you responsible. A person cannot commit suicide, a person cannot do any harm to themselves. So you see that Rebbe the Tana that holds, you're not going to injure yourself. And that thing says, but maybe killing, suicide, is different than injury. That wouldn't prove that you're not going to injure yourself, that would just say that that's taking away a person's life. That's qualitatively very different. So El Aravah says the Gemara, It's the Tan of the following Brisa. The Brisa says, A person could do what's called Kriya, it's actually one of the halachas, you tear your garment for the loss of a, of a, of a relative, of a dead person. But and it's not the ways of the paths of how the Amariyam do it, who they do much worse things, they cut their skin, they do all these types of things. Now, Amr Belazar, Belazar says, Shemati, I heard, If someone tears his clothing more than what's necessary, 
then like a mishum baltashchus. So then he actually gets lashes for baltashchus, which is the negative prohibition of destroying something that has utility. Why are you ruining something that shouldn't be ruined? Why are you ripping your garment more than what the Torah says? That's actually a violation. Now, therefore, says the Gemara, but kashkein gufay. For sure, if you're not allowed to tear your garments, for sure you're not allowed to tear your body, which is the garment of your soul, of, your, of, of what you are. So therefore, seemingly, he's the time that holds. You're not allowed to injure yourself. And that thing says, no, maybe actually garments are, are different and maybe there it's worse on some level. Because when you ruin your garment, that's a loss that doesn't come back. It doesn't grow back by itself. He would call his garments my dignity, my honor. A garment is something that provides dignity for a person, therefore ruining that is considered something destructive, and it doesn't come back. So to Rav Chizda, when he was walking amongst the thorns and the thistles, through these sharp, pointy things, he would actually lift up his garments, so it would actually would tear his skin instead of his garments. Why? Because he would say, my body will regenerate, will come back. But the clothing will not just come back. So therefore there's no raya. Maybe baltashchis is actually only on the garment and not on the body. Maybe you could injure yourself. Rather says the Gemara, it's actually the town of the following b'raisa. He says, What does the Pasuk teach in Bamidbar, which talks about the halachas of a nazar, someone that takes a vow not to partake of any wine or derivative thereof and to grow his hair? It says, That he should atone himself on the sin that he did on his soul. Which sounds like that as if he sinned in the soul of his essence, of his, of his personhood. Now the question is, Regarding what soul did the Nazar sin by taking in the Zeris? Because he pained himself from partaking of wine. Now, so now, all the more so, says Rabbi Kapar Beribi, that Now, if this guy who only pained himself from partaking of wine, Nikrachait is called a sinner because Hashem wants this world for to you to enjoy, to pleasure. Now, obviously, there's levels of pleasure, and the greatest is connecting with Hashem, but there's all these things that Hashem wants you to partake of, and not partaking of his wine is considered a sinner. So Hamatsar Atzman would call Davos, so someone that pains himself from everything, meaning if somebody pains himself by fasting and he's not partaking of any of Hashem's food, Allah has come become all the more so how that's considered sinful. So says the Gemara, obviously he's the Tana who, if just not eating, you consider a sinner. For sure, doing destructive things, if not partaking of pleasurable things, of productive things, is considered a sin, then for sure destructive, like injuring one's body, is considered sinful, and he's the Tana of our Mishnah, of that opinion, which holds that a person is not allowed to physically injure himself, and therefore that's what we keep saying, that even in such a case, if someone would injure someone else, although we're not going to prosecute the person who injured himself, but they're not allowed to, that is where he said that you would even be chayiv if you physically injured her, but... That's that opinion, contrast to the other opinion that we quoted, that lahar la'atzmai would include that a person is allowed to injure themselves. Now the Mishnah said, so to one of the examples Rabbi Kiva gave to this person was, if someone cuts down their trees, although they're not allowed to, but we're not going to prosecute them, someone else that cuts down their trees would be liable for the monetary compensation. Now regarding this halacha of not being allowed to cut down one's trees, the Gemara brings, Tani Rabba Babachana Kameh Rav. Rabbi Bochana taught the following Bryce in front of Rav. If let's say, Shari Harakta, someone tells somebody else, you killed my ox. Niti Isi Kitsatsa, in this case, you cut down my trees. Now, the other guy, the defendant, responds, he says, what do I mean? Atamati Lilaharga, you told me to kill your ox. Atamati Lilaharga, you told me to chop down your tree. 
Says the Bryce of Potter. So the guy's exempt with that claim. On that Amalei, so Rav said to Rabbi Babachana, Im Kane, if that's the case, this is such Allah, you're not going to leave any life or any creature, Kol Kimine? Is it within his right and his domain to say that? What any guy who could smash somebody's car windows, brings him to court, says, you smashed my window. He goes, yeah, you told me to. What? And he gets off the hook for that? No one's going to be able to get any compensation anytime because someone could just get over such a claim. So Amalei, Rabbi Khan said to Rav, he says, so Ismiye, should I remove this? Should I delete this brysa from my text of brises? So Amalei, Rav said to him, no, but to target mas nisach, but you should at least interpret your brysa, that it's talking about a specific type of a case. B'shoi ha'oimid lahariga. It's talking about an ox that's waiting to be killed, meaning because it's an ox that killed somebody, which the halacha is that he has to be stoned. Or be ilan ha'oimid like tzitzah, or it's a tree that's waiting to be chopped down, because either it's a nasher, which is not a tree, or it's a tree that's leaning out to the Rishas Rabbim, where we're afraid that it's going to fall on a person and kill someone with halacha, he has to cut down that tree. It's in such a case where he's, that's the case where he's believed to say, where anyways it had to be killed or cut down, where then he's believed to say that you told me to do it. Now the Gemara asks, Ihachi, Michael if it's still not something where the ox has to be killed or the tree has to be cut down, so what's the claim of the, of the, of the, the guy who's bringing him? What's his, what's his claim? You did it? Yeah, he did it. Anyways it has to be done. What's the problem? No, the Amale is because the guy is telling him, I I wanted to fulfill that mitzvah. There's a mitzvah of taking away a hezek from the rabbin. There's a mitzvah of killing the, the ox that has to be stoned. So therefore, when this guy claims to him that you told me to kill it, so the reason why the Bryce says he's part is he's probably telling the truth. Because since this, this is waiting to be done to it, generally a person wouldn't be particular who's going to kill the ox or who's going to cut down the tree. And it's very likely that people forget what they told people. And since it was oimit for that, so we believe this guy, that he, the guy had told him to do that. Now, the time like Linda Bryce said that there is such a halacha that at least there would be such a claim that the guy would have that he wanted to fulfill that mitzvah. And if he actually had not told the guy to do it and he did it on his own, he would be liable to pay up the guy for the mitzvah he took away from him, which was, again, taking away the hezek from the rabbin. As we learn in the Bryce, it's the passing of a yukar that says, v'shafach, that if someone spills the blood of an animal, meaning he slaughters it, so halacha is v'chisa, it has to cover, it's called the mitzvah kisedam, you have to cover the blood in the ground. So the halacha is telling us, B'shavach he spills, V'chisa he covers, which is Misha Shavach Yichasa, the one who spills the blood, the one who slaughters it, should cover it. Meaning that it's his mitzvah. And actually, there was actually a story with somebody who slaughtered an animal. And someone else's friend came quickly before him and covered the blood. And Remulil held him liable to pay 10 golden coins because he stole that guy's mitzvah of Kisa Adam. So that was what he was claiming to him, and therefore it was regarding that that we believe him. But again, of course, if it's just regarding cutting down someone's tree, and he says, you told me to, of course we're not going to believe a guy that just based on that, that he, that he had authority to cut down someone's tree, with no reason for us to believe that. Continuing on this halach of cutting down a tree, Amar Rav says, Dikla de Ton Kava, a, a, a date tree that carries a kava of dates, Asa such a tree you're not allowed to cut down. Now, on that degree, but we learn the Mishnah Masech Shvis that says, How much does the olive tree have to be carrying that you shouldn't be allowed to cut it down? Says the, says the Mishnah, a quarter of a kav. So we see it's only a quarter, not a kav. And says the Gemara, Shani No, olives are different because they're, they're, more, uh, they're, they're, they're more higher quality, they're more uh, distinguished than dates. So therefore there, it's even by quarter of a kav, but by dates, it has to be a kav. Continue on this halacha, of the prohibition of cutting down a fruit tree, but yet at times, depending on if it's not producing or if there's other um, 
pros that outweigh the cons, then you're allowed to go ahead and cut it down. Aram Chanina, he says, My son Shivchas didn't pass away. Because he cut down uh, the fig tree in not its time. Meaning to say this wasn't the time to cut down the fig tree and for that penalty he died. Now, but Amar Avina, he says, But if let's say the value of the wood of the tree is high quality and it fetches a high price for building more than the gain that a person would get from the fruits of the tree, then you're allowed to cut down, you're allowed to cut down such a fruit tree. Says the Gemara, similar in the Brisa. The Brisa is basing itself on the Pasuk in Devarim, which talks about this halacha in Devarim, Perikhav, Pasikhav, that it says, the entirety of the Pasuk there says, Rak but rather a tree that you know, that it's not a fruit tree, that you can destroy and cut down. And you can use it to build a way to lay siege on the city. That's waging war with you. Until the end, until you conquer that city. Now, the Brisa interprets this Pasuk that it says, But just the tree, the wood that you know. Now, that's superfluous because it could have written, Just that which is not a fruit tree. So what does it say this? Rak says the Bryce is Michael. That's actually referring to a fruit tree. In other words, that the Pasik is saying, Rak just the, the 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 tree that you know, meaning if you don't know that there's any tree closer to the besieged city but this one, then you could take this fruit tree, even if it's a fruit tree. So that's what the Bryce says, that's a fruit tree. Now, when the Pasuk then goes on and says, because it's not a fruit tree, that's referring to a barren tree that you're always allowed to cut down. Now, then the question the Brisa entertains is, but if the Pasuk, as we just explained, includes everything you're allowed to cut, you're allowed to cut down, not just a barren tree, but even a fruit tree if you need to, so what is the Pasuk teaching when it says, because it's not a fruit tree, what, a non-fruit tree, a barren tree, what do I need that if I already said you could cut down a fruit tree if you need to? And that says the Bryce says, Lahaktim it's to it's to preface the barren tree to the fruit tree. The fruit tree you're only allowed to do if you need to, if there's no other one, Ashatade, you know this is the only one, there's no one closer than that, so then you use this one. But if there is one, then you use the Srak and not the fruit tree. Now continues the Bryce at the top of Tzadabezim and Aleph, Yachlafilamulabadam, you would think that even if the beams, meaning the wood of the tree, is more expensive then the fruits still we would say that you're not allowed to cut down the fruit tree that the barren tree the Elon Srak comes before the Elon Michael Tamalimirak. That's what the Pasuk teaches a terminology of mute of 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 of, of minimizing the Isser, which is that this prefacing the Elon Srak to the Elon Michael is has a limit. That's only if they're equal and that is that the fruits of the tree are going to produce more than the wood of the tree. But if the wood of the tree is going to produce more than the fruits of the tree, then even if there's a barren tree, you don't have to go to the barren tree. You could take the wood from the fruit tree because you're going to get more out of that wood than you're going to get from the fruits. Now the Gemara brings stories to illustrate this halacha that there are times you're allowed to cut down fruit trees if it's for monetary gain which the Rishayim and the Chayim uh, talk in halacha in great detail regarding what are the parameters of this halacha. But Shmuel, I see la arisa tamri. His sharecropper brought him dates. Now, Ochli ate it. Tom, who time in the chamri, tasted a wine taste in the dates. So Amalei said to his sharecropper, my high, what is this? So Amalei said to him, Beine gufnikaimi, it's, it's growing this date tree amongst the vineyard. So Amalei said, it's weakening the wine so much because if this is getting a taste of wine, let me say it's taking away something from the vineyard. 
So he said, Tomorrow I want you to bring me either Makariah from the word of Makar, of the source, meaning of the roots of the dates. I want you to uproot it. Or it actually means Makariah from the word of Kur, which is the term of shoots, which those are the soft, edible parts of the tree, which grow around where the roots are. In other words, I want you to totally uproot that date tree because it's destroying the, 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 the vineyard, the, the wine, if I'm getting a taste of the wine in the dates. Which, as Taste explains, because the, the, the vines are worth more than the date tree. And therefore, again, as we said, that there's the monetary financial uh, calculations that go into the Isra of cutting down the fruit tree. If it's to save something else that's more monetary beneficial, then you'll have to go ahead, which he said, to rip out this date tree. So to Rav Chizda, Chazat Tali Begufni, he saw a palm tree when it's uh, the, the saplings in the vineyard. So Amalila Risa, he said to his sharecropper, Akrinu, go ahead and rip out that date saplings. Because gufne kani dikle, a vineyard could buy a palm tree. In other words, from the, from the money we make off the wine, we could buy land. But dikle loikana gufne. But a palm tree cannot go ahead and buy a vineyard because we don't make so much money from the dates as we do from the wine. And therefore, we got to think financially and definitely the wine is more than the dates and therefore go ahead and rip out the dates. Again, although there's a, a halacha of Eitzmachel, as we see in the Bryce already, depends on the criterion about how much, if the, that's only if the fruits are of value more than the tree, but if the tree, the wood is more, or if there are other circumstances, like things around that, like the vineyard or something else, then you'll have to go ahead and chop down the tree.